You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you today? You look fantastic. You ought to look at somebody right now and say, you are looking good on this Sunday, all right? I should have clarified, unless you don't know them, that could get creepy, so don't, you know. For all you introverts out there, I'm so sorry. You're dying a thousand deaths right now, I know. I know, but it's good for you. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, take them and turn with me to Luke chapter 9, please. Luke chapter 9. Um, I want to talk to you, finish up a series we began just a couple of weeks ago on peace of mind. What we're looking at is we've been looking at, um, th- this series has kind of been an outflow of a question that got asked back in July where we were, we were um, answering tough questions, talking about asking for a friend. I was talking about the, the issue of mental health and, and the, the feedback from that, decided, I decided we're going to spend a few more weeks on some of that. We've talked about anxiety. We've talked about depression, some of the most common things. Today, I want to talk to you about who helps the helper and how can you, as a person who helps someone who is struggling with emotional or mental health issues, how can you help them? How can you come along and be a, a, a help to them? Today, we've got a passage of scripture that's probably familiar to you, but as we focus on it, what I want to focus on is the intent and the purpose of someone walking with, walking beside, and bringing someone through until they get the help they need from Jesus. I'm going to read the passage in just a moment, but I want to pray for us to start with. Father, I thank you today for the way that you have been present in this service And God, I know that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. And I know that there are folks in this room that are dealing and struggling, not only with emotional or mental health issues, but they're struggling on their loved one, their friend is struggling, and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to help. So I pray that you would speak to us this morning as only you can. Anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth. Anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so that you may accomplish your perfect will. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, How many of you like going to the beach during the summer? Let me see your hands. Okay, good. Um, How many of you like going to the beach any other time besides the summer? Let me see your hand. Okay, here's what I found. I grew up on the coast, okay? So I love hot weather, the beach, all of those things. I did. I've moved away from the coast, and my blood is now a little bit thicker, I think, than it used to be. I still enjoy the coast, but when I go down to the coast during the summertime, I go down with all this nostalgia, thinking about all the things I did and all the things, how great it was. And then I get down there, and I realize how humid and muggy and hot it is. And I think, I'm not sure if this was as good as what I thought it was. There was a time when we would take beach trips, the family would, and go down. The kids were younger. Uh, I found now my beach trips tend to be less in June, July, August, and more like the September, October, maybe early November, you know. But during this time, we took a, a summer vacation, and it was hot. It was great. And, and during this time, my kids were really young. And so I was with them out in the water. You won't find me in the water much anymore. Um, I've just been around long enough, stingrays, sharks, jellyfish, all that stuff. I'm like, I'm good up here. You know what I mean? This is just me now. But then I'm, I'm in the water with my kids, and so I'm looking after them. Now, it shouldn't be that hard. It's not like I have an army of them. I've got two, okay? They're both young, 
And so we're diving into the waves and just, and just enjoying ourselves. If you know anything about, though, being on the coast, you know what it means to have what is called sort of a, a riptide or where it's just a, a backflow of water. And during this day, there wasn't great warnings out there. Red flags weren't up or anything. But the undertow was a little bit more severe than normal. And so as we're diving in, I come up and I see my daughter standing there. She's fine. She's over there standing fine. And I look over to see where my son is. I can't find him. And so I keep looking, thinking, oh, he'll come up in just a moment. The more I look, the more I realize I can't find him. So for some reason, I thought it, I dove into the water. I dove back into the water. It's salt water. You can't open your eyes in salt water. I'm flailing around just trying to feel anything I can because I'm panicking at this point. Can't find my son. And when I come, I come back up, I still can't find him. I'm looking all out this way. This probably lasted 30 seconds to a minute. It felt like years until finally, out of the peripheral vision, I looked this way and the undertow had taken him out a little bit, but had taken him down some. And I realized where he was, rushed to him, brought him back to me. In that moment, I have never felt more helpless in my life. And there have been moments in my life where I felt like I can't do anything. That's the most helpless I think I've ever felt. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I should protect, I should keep, I should hold. I don't know what to do. And some of you probably know what that feels like, maybe in some of that circumstances, or maybe your child is the one that thought it was funny to go into the department store and hide in the clothes rack and, you know. <laughs> or maybe it's not really that funny. Maybe you're the one with the loved one or the friend with the emotional or the mental health issue. And you feel helpless. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. You've tried and you realize probably the words you said didn't help, but they harmed. Or you have felt unqualified, uninformed, and so paralyzed that you didn't do anything and now you feel like you've missed a moment or maybe you're the one that has been in the trenches for so long, you're exhausted and on the edge of being just angry. And you feel like giving up. You feel helpless. I want to encourage you this morning. Keep, keep being engaged with your loved one. I want you to know your presence, your friendship, your care is essential because many times Christ comes to people through other people. He uses them to get them to him. As a matter of fact, in the passage we're going to read in just a moment, there is a man, a father, who loves his son dearly. It's his only child. I mean, just like every parent, he's probably had dreams, visions, aspirations for this child thinking that God's hand's going to be on this child. God, he's going to do great things for God. And then there's a moment where things just don't seem quite right. There are things that start to show up. It's no noticing things about his son. Insomnia, erratic speech, seizures, other symptoms begin to emerge. And the boy seems to be getting worse. And it begins to affect a man. It affects him at his job. It affects his friendships. It might even have affected his marriage. Put it on the back burner because his son is the primary thing on his mind, getting him better. But no matter what he does, no matter how he tries to help, things just seem to be getting 
darker. His son would become violent. He would scream awful obscenities. He would even have attempts at self-harm, throwing himself into the water or fire, the Bible says. His father is scared, terrified, but determined to help. He's probably taken this boy to every doctor, every specialist, and all of them have inconclusive results. He's probably tried holistic methods, but the expenses are mounting up and nothing seems to be helping. If it was today, he would have read blogs. He would have sought for advice. He would have followed influencers. But nothing made a difference until he heard about a teacher and his disciples that everywhere they went, miracles seemed to follow. And this man decided, I'm going to take my son and I'm going to find them. And he finds out through word of mouth, he's at the base of a mountain. He can't find this man, Jesus, but he sees some of his disciples. Jesus and three of his disciples are up on a mountain. The rest of his disciples are down at the bottom. This man brings his boy to his disciples, literally forces his way through the crowd and gets an audience with his disciples. These disciples listen to him and they're confident. I mean, these are the same disciples that Jesus has sent out and said, I want you to go out and preach the gospel. I want you to go out and heal the sick. I want you to go out and cast out demons. And they do all of those things. They even come back to Jesus and say, it's amazing. We preach the gospel. People are coming to you. We have cast out demons. Even demons are afraid. They're confident. They say, bring that boy to us. And they pray a bold prayer. And the disciples and the crowds and the Father are waiting to see what happens. And all of a sudden, this little boy, eyes roll back in his head, lets out a blood-curdling scream. And the disciples are confused. The crowd is terrified. And this father is heartbroken. I don't know where he slept that night, but I doubt he slept much. His father is at the end of his rope. Never felt more helpless. He's on the verge of giving up. But he decides, I'm going to go, I'm going to press in, and I'm going to find Jesus. It's where we pick it up in Luke chapter 9, verses 37 to 40. It said, the next day, after they come down from the mountain, they being Jesus and his three disciples... After they had come down from the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus, and a man in the crowd cried out to him, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus turns and says, Bring that boy to me. We pick it up in verse 42 as he brings the boy. It says, as the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy and he gave him back to his father and all gripped the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power. Can you imagine the joy, the relief, the excitement and the awe that swept through this crowd, that swept over this father as he sees his son finally being made whole. 
And listen, here's what I need you to know. When I read that this morning, when you hear that this morning, we are reminded that there is no condition that Jesus can't change. There is no darkness that Jesus can't light. There's no chain that Jesus can't break. God is the God who knows how to do the impossible. But I also need you to see this. This boy found healing through Christ's power, but he found Christ through his father's persistence. This man refused to be denied the presence of God and the help that was available. And for those of you who have a loved one or a friend who struggles with emotional, mental health, I need you to hear me. Your support is vital. It's part of what God uses to treat their sickness. Your friendship is fresh air to their very soul. Keep praying, keep encouraging, keep serving, because your compassion literally is God's love to them. For the rest of this message, I want to answer one major question. How do you help someone struggling with mental and emotional health issues? I'm going to give you three things. Three things you can do that everyone can do. Number one is this. Be present. Be present. For so many years, and I don't mean just decades ago, but for hundreds of years, we lived in communities. Communities that would help each other, that would help each other build homes if something happened, they would come together and they would just fix problems. They would come together and surround with love and support. But now with the advent of our society and screens and mobile phones and technology, we have tended to become much more isolated. Did you know studies show that isolation can cause IQ to decrease by up to 30 points just by being alone? Because you're not challenged. No one is helping you. Did you know that isolation literally releases cortisol, which is the stress hormone, which causes is a major factor in depression, which also is a major factor in anxiety. It's also a major factor, factor in inflammation in the body that deteriorates health. Isolation contributes to those things. Listen to me. To be present is not to be inactive. To be present is to be an active part of someone's life. The presence of a friend or a loved one is literally a powerful prescription in their life. And I know if we're honest, it can be intimidating because you think, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't want to make things worse. I don't have all the answers. And I understand that. I am, I told you up front, I'm a protector. It's my natural inclination. Some of you are fixers. You see a problem, you need to fix it. If someone has an issue, you want to immediately jump in and fix that issue. But can I just tell you something? 26 years I've been in full-time ministry. And in those years, and over the past few years of giving and receiving of the grace of friendship, there is something you need to know. The ministry of presence 
is significant. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know what to do. Just being present is sometimes enough. Matthew 18, 20, we often use this scripture to talk about how powerful it is to be in a worship service together, but it goes far beyond that. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Can I just tell you something? You don't have all the answers, but you can be present. And sometimes, simply by showing up, you tell them you are not lost, you are not forgotten. And even if you just sit in silence, they know God sees them, God hears them, God helps them. Be present. Because can I tell you something? What I've learned is that when people don't know what to do, they typically either back away or they typically want you to get over it quicker so they can feel better. Be present with someone. Even if you don't know what to do, just be present. The second thing, I'm going to hurt your feelings on this one, okay? Here we go. Don't pretend to understand what you don't understand. Don't pretend you understand what you don't understand. There's there's a book called the DSM-5. It's literally the encyclopedia of all mental health. It is 947 pages thick. It's 123,500 words. After decades of discovery of trying to figure out how biology, neurology, psychology, and spirituality all combine together and they work together, we still have only scratched the surface of what's going on in emotional health and mental health. It's complex. And when I say that, I think everybody here would say, yeah, I agree with that. For some reason, we don't act like it sometimes. For some reason, something in us wants to act like we know more than we actually know. Come on. Now, there are people that are just like that, okay? Just in general. You ever met that type of person? They're not always right, but they're always sure. You know what? You met that type of person? Okay. But we all have that longing in us. Even if we don't know what to say, we want to say something. Sometimes just to help them, sometimes just to help us to feel like we're doing something in that. But sometimes when you say those words... You're actually not helping, you're hurting. I want to give you five things to avoid. Be present, but also don't try to act like you understand what you don't understand. Five things I want you to avoid. Don't tell people, however you phrase it, don't tell them to just try harder. Now, I don't know that anybody would say those words, but they'd say something like, oh, come on. Just encourage yourself. Feel better. Snap out of it. If they could snap out of it, they would. This is complex. And I know Christ can heal in a moment. But I also know that Christ heals in a process sometimes too. And I don't get to choose which one he does. He does it in order to receive the most glory for himself. 
Because it's not about me. It's about him. Don't tell people in whatever way you phrase it, just to try harder. Don't act like you don't believe it because you can't see it. Listen, I, have, I told you, I've been in this for 26 years. People will ask me to pray for them, and then they will, like the surgery or whatever. Um, and if you've done this, I'm not making fun of you. I can't even remember, okay? But I have received text or emails, and it's like, yeah, I went to the doctor, pray for me, and I get a, like an x-ray of like this nasty broken arm or something. Or the surgery, it's like, oh, look, here's how they fix it. I'm like, hey, I can visualize on my own, you know? But here's the thing about that. When I look at an x-ray, when I look at a picture, I can see what's broken. But I can't see the fracture in someone's psyche. I can't see what's broken inside. And so it's not up to me to figure out whether or not it's broken. It's up to the Lord to know how to heal them. Third thing I want you to avoid Don't compare. I don't know what it is about human beings in general. We love to one-up, right? Someone tells a joke, you say, oh, I got one even better than that. Someone's got a problem, and we say, oh, that's nothing compared to what's happened to me. Don't do that. Don't do that. It doesn't help at all. Look, I, I can, trust me on this one. Nobody in this church, so don't even think. I wonder who did that. But listen, it wasn't but just a few months after I lost my wife, I'm talking to someone in my neighborhood, and they found out about it, and they said, oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you very much. And they said, my, they said, my wife's second cousin's father passed away two years ago. And I'm like, okay. They were trying to connect. But I'm like, not helping. Not helping. You don't have to compare. You just have to be there. Don't try to solve their problem with quick fixes or ideas, especially when you have no training nor any credibility. Let me clarify something too. Just because your friend posted an article on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter doesn't mean you have credibility in anything. (laughs) Doesn't. The fifth thing, don't over-spiritualize everything. Now, I want you to hear me. There is spiritual warfare happening in the heavenlies all the time over your life and my life. And don't deny it. Listen, if you want to deny it, you go ahead and stick your head in the sand all you want to, okay? It's real. I've seen the influence of the demonic on people. I've watched it over my years. But I want you to hear me. Not everything is a result of a devil behind every bush and a demon behind every rock. Sometimes there's some medical things going on that God can fix through the miraculous speaking of his word over something, or he can use a process. One of the problems with emotional and mental health is we want to associate way too much of the demonic with it because we don't understand it. 
Now, I know our passage that I shared with you had to do with an evil spirit. The focus of the passage was not about the evil spirit. The focus of the passage I want you to see is the father refusing to give up on his son until he could get him to Jesus. And I know that in Scripture that there are miracles and sicknesses that are associated with demonic spirits. In the Gospels, in the book of Acts, there are 31 miracles of healing. Five of them, five of them have to do with demonic influences or possession or oppression. That's less than 20%. You don't have to over-spiritualize everything and try to convince them there's something demonically wrong. Listen, they may not be possessed by an evil spirit, but they can be wounded by your callous words. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 18. The words of thoughtless people cut like swords, but the tongue of wise people brings healing. Your words are either a scalpel or a sword. They either heal or they kill. And it's why it's so important that you use wisdom when you speak those words. It is so important that you and I keep learning and keep listening to the Holy Spirit as he guides us. You have to be present. Don't pretend to understand what you don't understand. And then thirdly, you need to become a great friend. Let me give you three ways to be a great friend to someone who's struggling. Number one, listen. Listen. It's called paying attention. You know why? Because it costs you something. It costs you your time. It costs you your agenda. It costs you your preferences. It costs you your pursuits. It requires you to put them first and listen to them. I've heard it said before, maybe you have too, that God has blessed us in creation with two ears and one mouth. And we ought to be listening twice as much as we speak. If you're going to listen, listening takes time. And listen, I am, I struggle with this, okay? I struggle with listening on someone else's timetable. Okay, you would think I'm past it. I'm not. You can just ask my kids, okay? You tell me a story about anything. I mean, it could be a story about you shopping. It could be a story about you fishing or hunting or golfing or anything. And if you start inundating me with details, all the details, like if you were in some parking lot, And the purpose of the whole story was you encountered someone at the other end of the parking lot, but you told me every car and the color and the skies and the way the breeze felt and the the way the leaves look on the trees. I am dying a thousand deaths at that moment. (laughs) What I want to, and what I've told my kids is, and and they just look at me and kind of go, whatever, dad, you know. But I'm like, okay, I feel like we're burying the lead. Can we, can we get there and then come back and fill it in? You know, draw the whole picture, then we'll come in and color the lines. You know what I mean? That doesn't work when someone is struggling. That doesn't work 
when someone emotionally, mentally is struggling. When you listen then, when I listen then, I have to listen on their timetable. As they're willing to open up, I need to be willing to listen. Because to be vulnerable takes time. And the fact that they are opening up to you means they see you as a gift of God and a safe place that they can trust and that God can use you. James 1.19 says this, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Most of the time we use this verse to talk about don't get angry. But notice the first thing is quick to listen, slow to speak. It's literally the posture that keeps you from being angry. The posture, posture of listening is the grace of humility to put someone else first. If you want to become a great friend, listen. The second thing, learn how to encourage. Learn how to encourage. You may not be able to give all the answers, but you can always give encouragement. You can remind that person of whatever they're going through. You know, no cliches. That, that your cliches aren't going to help them, but you can remind them honestly. Hey, I know you're going through it, but I'm telling you God loves you. I'm telling you God's not finished with you. I'm telling you God's still got a plan for you. I'm telling you it may be dark right now, and I don't know what that darkness feels like, but I'm telling you God is going to be with you every step of the way. They need your encouragement. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11 says this, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. They need words of life from you. To be a great friend, you listen, you encourage. Thirdly, you just keep showing up. Just keep showing up, especially for someone who is going through a process. You just got to keep showing up. Sociologist Rodney Stark, sociology is the one that does religious studies. If you ever hear people talk about it, why sociology? It's, it's the... It's the the, the, um, it's the division of academia that studies religions. So sociologist Rodney Stark says one of the primary reasons for the spread of Christianity and the following of Jesus was the way his followers responded to sick people. Now, you would think, or you may think, that Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and yes, miraculous things started happening. And yes, the Lord added daily to the church, those that were being saved. But until the second and third century, Christians had very little influence or credibility among society. Until smallpox and the plagues started ravaging their way through the Roman Empire. History tells us during one of those outbreaks, 5,000 people a day would die in Rome. For the most part, the world responded in panic because they didn't find any help or guidance in the writings of Homer. 
There were no commands from the Greek god Zeus on how to treat the sick. None. As a matter of fact, one historian writes about the way that the Romans treated each other. He said this, at the first onset of the disease, they pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were dead and treating unburied corpses as dirt hoping thereby to avert the spread and the contagion of the fatal disease. That's how they treated them. That's how the world treated their own, in fear and panic. But there was a man who claimed to be God, who gave his life for others, who rose from the dead, who ascended into heaven, and commanded his followers to go and heal the sick. The same man that while he was in his earthly ministry didn't hesitate to move among the lepers that everyone else avoided. And this is what Dionysius, the third century bishop in Alexandria, wrote about the actions of the followers of Christ. He said, heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them, some of them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pain. Cheerfully accepting the pain of others. Until, until you get close enough to the struggle to struggle yourself, you're not close enough to make a difference. When it comes to hurting and brokenness and emotional and mental health, that doesn't happen from a distance. It happens up close. Broken people are why Jesus came. Sick people are who he searched for. He didn't avoid them. He came to heal body, mind, and soul. And he charged his followers to not be afraid to do the same. There are 450 million individuals worldwide who struggle emotionally or mentally. It may very well be the greatest opportunity for the church in the 21st century, for you in the 21st century, to bring peace to those who are desperate. And your willingness to be in the middle of someone else's struggle may be the catalyst, not just for them to find a cure or comfort, but they may literally find Christ in the midst of it. And for those of you those of you who are struggling to help those who are struggling and you were tempted to throw in the towel and give up. Jesus said, whenever you give help to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it unto me. He said, when you give a cup of cold water in my name, you've done it unto me. When you pray for a physical body to be healed, you've done it as if you've done it unto me.
when you show up and listen to that person who's been struggling, I count it as though you've done it unto me. When you walk with them and walk beside them, when everyone's walking away from them, you've done it unto me. When you are there, when nobody else is there, you've done it unto me. And can I just tell you something? Christ will anoint you and empower you and give you the grace you need. Because here's what I know. God is sovereign. And I know, I know you would draw it up and do it differently. But you are not in that person's life by accident. From the beginning of time, our days were mapped out. The Lord knew them before we were ever formed in our mother's womb. He knows the struggle they're facing, and he put you in their path so you could be an ambassador for Christ, a message of hope, hands of healing, a mouth of grace so that he could speak through you, minister through you, and give hope and healing through you. And I believe he's going to help you do that today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? No one looking around. Please. If you're in this room and you say, that's me. I have a friend. I have a loved one. They've been struggling emotionally. They've been struggling mentally. And I don't know how to help. And I feel like I'm at my wit's end sometimes. And I need Christ to empower me to be the help I'm supposed to be. And I'd like for you to pray for me this week. If that's you, would you just raise your hand really high while no one's looking around? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, you are not alone. Yep, God's going to help you. You can put them down. I want you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I also know in this room that the greatest darkness he'll ever bring you out of is the darkness of sin and walking away from him. If you're in this room and you know when you came in this place, things weren't right between you and the Lord, but you have felt the draw of the Holy Spirit to tell you to come back home to him for the first time or the first time in a long time. You just need to pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your grace is enough. I thank you for the price that you paid on the cross for my sins. But I also know that it wasn't just for my sins. It's so that my relationship with God could be restored. Forgive me of the way I've lived in the past. Forgive me of my sins. Restore unto me the relationship that God created me for. I yield my life to you right now. Lead me through your word and by your spirit and I'll never be the same. I'm going to ask everyone in the room, pray this prayer profession with me. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Come on, one more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one but the ministry team and me looking around. I'm not here to embarrass you. But if that's you, you came in this place this morning, you know things weren't right between you and the Lord. And you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, for the first time in a long time. I want you to just be bold enough to say, pray for me this week, Pastor. Raise your hand really high, just a moment. Keep them up just for a moment, please. That's you. You made a decision to follow him. God bless you. Amen. Just keep them up just a moment, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, you can put them down. Father, we thank you right now 
for the lives that have been changed, the eternities that have been changed, the hope that has been regiven. I pray, God, for those who made that decision to follow you. Your grace would follow them. I pray that they feel the weight of sin and shame lift off their shoulders. And I pray that the joy of the Lord just invade their soul. God, I pray for those that are in this room that they have loved ones that are struggling with emotional issues or mental health issues. God, I pray, first of all, for their loved one, their friend. God, I pray for your healing power to touch them. I don't know when, I don't know how long it's gonna take. I know that in a moment, in an instant, you could speak and you can heal that, but I don't know if you're gonna do it instantly or you're gonna use it through a process, but God, I pray for your healing grace to be upon their friends and loved ones. And I pray for your compassionate grace, your ministering grace to be upon their lives as they walk with them, as they listen, as they encourage as they keep showing up day after day to let them know they're not alone. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint them and your favor would be poured out on them so they could be mouthpieces of grace, hands of healing, hearts filled with hope. And God, I pray that not only in the life that is to come, but in this life, that you would reward them and bless them exponentially for their willingness to walk alongside someone who is broken and in hurting. And God, as you do that, may you build the community of faith. And may the Lord add daily to those that are being saved and the kingdom being enlarged every single day. We ask it, we pray it, we believe it, and we give you praise for it in advance, by faith, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, can you celebrate with me? Nine people gave their hearts to Christ today. Come on. Amen. Amen. Hey, you made that decision today or the last few weeks. We want to help you at the end of service. Some of our grow team will be down front here. Love to help you. Or there's a place out in the atrium called Connect Point. We'd love to get some information to you about that. If you're interested in just finding out some more about Mount Perrin North, um, you can head out there. There's a card in the seat back behind, uh, in front of you. You can head out and uh, see us at the Connect Point out there. We'd love to get you some information on that as well. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Two weeks from today and all of the Sundays in October, we're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. We're going to be looking at how God shows up in your everyday lives. So if you want to go ahead and do some pre-reading, go ahead and do that. We'll be there in the book of Ruth. I uh, can't wait to start that in a couple of weeks. I want to have the privilege today to bless you according to Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you folks. Have a great day. Love you. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at mountparanorth.com or give us a call at 770-578-9081. 
And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.